Welcome to the Trevor J. Brown Show. The Trevor J. Brown Show is meant for an adult audience. The Trevor J. Brown Show may contain explicit language and topics. Listener discretion is advised. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show. Be a part of the show and email us at inherentdream at yahoo.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Trevor J. Brown Show. Visit our website at inherentdream.com. And now, your host, Trevor J. Brown. That's right. Welcome into another edition of the Trevor J. Brown Show. Great show lined up for you on this Friday evening, including a double dip of the Moron Spotlight. We have Mark Stone coming up tonight. Free for all Friday. Let's win some money with Stone as we look ahead to the upcoming weekend of games in the National Football League. And we will wrap up the program looking ahead to bonus content Saturday. Which is something we do on Saturdays. We're exclusive on the Spotify app on Saturdays. We'll tell you all about that coming up here at the end of the program. But I want to start off with this tonight and I'm a little conflicted because this is a band that I have loved for a very very long time Blink-182 have reunited with founding member Tom DeLonge and they announced a 2023 tour this was announced earlier this week the classic lineup of DeLonge and Mark Hoppus and Travis Barker will also release a comeback single called Edging. That is out today. And uh, they have a new album coming as well next year. DeLong started Blink-182 with Mark Hoppus in 92. Their debut album, Cheshire Cat, arrived in 95, followed by the Damn It featuring album Dude Ranch in 97. After original drummer Scott Rayner was dismissed from the band in 1998, Travis Barker came aboard in time to record the band's multi-platinum 1999 album Enema of the State, which featured the hit singles What's My Age Again and All the Small Things. Their first number one album in the U.S. followed 2001's Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. In 2002, DeLong and Barker released a side project as a duo, a self-titled album from uh, a band they called Boxcar Racer. The following year, Blink-182 released a self-titled album, before announcing an indefinite hiatus in 2005. During that time, DeLong formed a band called Angels and Airwaves. Barker and Hoppus did a project called Plus 44. The guys didn't speak to each other. And then, in 2008, Travis Barker was involved in a plane crash that led to the trio returning for a reunion tour in 2009. They released a new album in 2011 called Neighborhoods, and they continued to tour in the early 2010s before Tom DeLong quit the band. Again, Hoppus and Barker discussed DeLong's departure in an interview with Rolling Stone at that time, saying that after the band signed a recording contract and booked a studio for album sessions, Hoppus and Barker received emails, not from Tom himself, but from DeLong's management, announcing that he was leaving the band. Hoppus said, to be honest, I wasn't that surprised because his attitude leading up to that had been not excited and not interested. Barker called DeLong disrespectful and ungrateful to have his manager break the news and not call them himself. Why Blink even got back together in the first place is questionable. Following Tom's second departure, Blink-182 hired Alkaline Trio's Matt Skiba. They released two albums under that lineup, 2016's uh, California, a brilliant album. It was nominated for Grammy Awards. Also 2019's album called Nine. They also went on many tours. During his time away from the group, Tom DeLonge, continued to record with angels and airwaves he has notably committed much of his time to the study of aliens ufos and conspiracy theories that is no joke he founded the company to the stars academy of arts and sciences in 2015 and was the executive producer behind the history channel series unidentified inside america's ufo investigation in the recent past barker has become something of an omnipresent cultural and tabloid finger uh, figure He has collaborated with Post Malone, Machine Gun Kelly, and Willow, and he also married a Kardashian. 
Since 2019, Hoppus has been hosting the Apple One Music Radio Show After School Radio. In 2021, he revealed he was diagnosed with cancer. Later that year, he said he was cancer-free. In an August 2022 interview with People, Hoppus revealed that DeLong and Barker visited him before he started chemotherapy. He said it was the first time all three of us were in the same room in like five years. It's actually better than it used to be. There was no agenda. There was no lingering grudges. It felt it felt very good to be back to what it should be. Three friends sitting in a room, everyone in a really great place now. So obviously I care about this story and I was excited because I've been a fan of this band for, for a very long time. I like Blink-182. I like their music. I've always been, been a fan. I've always been a fan of all of them, but Tom DeLonge, for me personally, was a big inspiration to starting Inherent Dream. And the reason for that was I love music. I've always tried to, to write music and record music and release music and do things with music. But what Tom DeLonge kind of showed me was you can do the music stuff, but you can also do other things as too. So when he started his company and he was like, we're going to have music, but we're also going to have books and we're going to do full length feature films and we're going to do documentaries and all of these different things. I'm like, well, those are things I want to do too. And those are things that we are doing. So to, to have somebody like that to look up to was, was pretty cool. And that was a big part of why, why I wanted to start what I'm doing here with Inherent Dream. So why, why this band broke up the first time? Like we've never really heard in print, Hey, this is, this is why we broke up. At the end of the day, we can speculate all we want. There was some hard feelings or something with Tom pretty much getting offered to do a solo album, Boxcar Racer. The The label at the time wanted him to do a record, and they call it Boxcar Racer. It's pretty much a Tom DeLonge solo album with David Kennedy, who's in Angels and Airwaves with him now. They needed a drummer, so they Travis Barker drums on the album. I don't, you know, whatever. Mark probably felt slighted by that. They go in, they make the self-titled album in 2003. Things start boiling over. They start fighting. Then they announce their hiatus. One of the reasons given was Tom wants to spend more time with his family. I get that. But then a year later, they uh, he announces that well, Angels and Airwaves is a band, and I have an album coming. Angels, the best thing I've ever done in my life. And then Mark and Travis do an album plus 44. The Plus 44 album's pretty much more Blink-182 and Angels and Airwaves has some punk rock to it, but it's it's more anthems and more space age prog rock. Sounds like U2 a little bit mixed with like Radiohead, that, that sort of thing mixed with like Blink. So they do that thing. Then Travis Barker almost dies in this plane crash and it brings them all back together and they announce that they're getting back together at the Grammys and, and me and brother Harrison at this time are so excited. And we went to that reunion tour. They played at XL energy center and it was absolutely amazing to see these three guys back on stage. And at that point, it never crossed my mind. Like we're going to have another break coming up. We're going to have another hiatus. Something's going to happen. So they tour, they do the reunion tour. They go back in, they finish the album the album's called Neighborhoods. It comes out. It's fine. It's it's not a bad album. It's not a great album. Me and Brother Harrison were texting back on for, back and forth on that today. It's probably like a three out of five. There's some good tunes on it. There's some filler on it. Whatever. Well, then it comes out again in 2015 that Tom's leaving again. And at that point, it's like, make a decision if you want to be in the band or not. And at this point, when Tom leaves, we're pretty much like, okay, he ain't coming back. And I think there's a side of Mark Hoppus and Travis Barker, too, that think Tom's never coming back because they clearly thought that. They wanted to carry on with Blink-182. So they bring in Matt Skiba from Alkaline Trio, who's a, who's a great musician in his own right. And what really ticks me off about this whole thing was Matt holds down the fort for the last seven years. They make two great albums. One of them, the album California, was nominated for a Grammy Award. When would you ever think Blink-182 would be up for a Grammy Award, but they were. He holds down the fort for seven years. In the press release, there's not any mention of Matt. There's not a mention of, hey, Matt's no longer in the band, but we want to thank him for his service. 
Or what I think they should have done was you keep Matt in the band, you have Tom come back, now you make a new album with the four of them, you go on tour with the four of them, as you're all in your 50s or approaching 50, now you can start to do different things, more creative things with your music because now you add a different guitar player, you add more layers to your, your music, you have a more in-depth sound. I've always wanted them to go in a direction of growing up and the new the new album the new the new tour announcement the reunion that they're back it's right back to let's be 23 years old in 1999 like enema of the state is coming out and like we never grew up at all these guys are almost 50 years old and it's good to have fun and it's good to laugh but at a certain point can't you ditch some of the potty humor and elevate your game to 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 just growing up the new single for crying out loud is called edging and it shows how maybe naive i am i didn't know what that meant i had to ask brother harrison he told me what that meant it's like on the verge of sexual gratification i didn't know what that meant should i have known what that meant my wife Lindsay, for crying out loud <laughs> knew what that meant i didn't know i didn't i've never heard the term before so that's that's what we're singing about these days. We're almost fifty, and we're talking about edging, and we're we're releasing immature videos. And everybody online was like, "Oh my goodness, they're back!" And then you you would get like one out of ten comments. I was like, "Well, what about Matt?" And people would be like, "He wasn't Blink. He's better at Alkaline Trio." Blah blah blah. It's like they made no mention of it. Now look, maybe behind closed doors, maybe they offered him to be the fourth member and to stay in the band. Maybe he said no. Uh, maybe, maybe he didn't want to, uh, maybe they, uh, never offered, but back in the summer, a telltale sign was there was, uh, some, someone on Instagram said, what's going on with you and blink. And his, he, he wrote back on his Instagram and legitimately said, your guess is as good as mine. I don't know what's going I don't even know if I'm in the band anymore, but I'm thankful for the times that we had. So I get that Travis Barker was off uh, getting hitched to a Kardashian. I get that Mark Hoppus was going through cancer treatments last year. I get all of that. But if he, if you're in a band together and there's nothing new going on with the band, don't you think that, I don't know, every month or so you have a group text and somebody responds on that group text and says, hey, just wanted to check in. What's going on? How is everybody doing? Either a group text or an email or a phone call, none of that, none of them talked in the last six months about anything. So then that makes me feel like Mark, Tom, and Travis are just a bunch of assholes for for like, hey, uh, Matt, uh, don't let the door hit you on the ass on the way out. And what I wanna say to Travis and Mark is, this douchebag Tom has left two times before so when you guys uh, get into the studio and uh, start mixing the album and you start having some disagreements or whatever, or, or next year on tour, when you start having disagreements and his management starts uh, messaging you guys and not him, is it going to, is it going to shock anybody? Uh, see, it will come as a shock. They're going to play it like, oh man, we didn't see this coming. And the fans are going to be disappointed again. It's like, how many times do you get to come back and then leave a band? If you do that once and you come back, it's like, great. Well, now now you're all you're all back. You're under the same roof. But at a certain point, it's like, who cares? Because you, you know what's going to happen again. They're going to go on tour. They're going to be around each other way too much. They're going to start fighting. And then all of a sudden, no, I'm leaving again. I got to go chase UFOs or do whatever. I hate that all these guys are trying to, to remain relevant. And look, if they ever hear this, like, I love you guys. I really do. I like Blink-182. I do. But how punk rock can you be marrying a Kardashian? I mean, you're on, you're doing interviews with People Magazine and shit like that. I just, you know, it's like you want to talk about a cash grab. This is the cash grab of bands that we loved growing up. And, and people, 9 out of 10 people going ape shit for it online. And look, when I initially saw it, I was like, man, this is amazing. This is going to be great. But Brother Harrison, I, I, he opened my eyes. 
he opened my eyes because at the end of the day, I don't like really how this all came out with Matt. And they didn't really treat him that well. And for in a press release to say, hey, you know what? We thought about continuing on and having Matt join us. And I don't know, maybe maybe that'll happen in the future. Maybe that's something that hasn't been announced yet. That could happen. I don't know. But the way that it was all announced, he's not a part of any of the promo. His Twitter has been wiped clean of Blink-182. It doesn't say member of Blink-182. There's no mention of Matt on the Blink-182 pages. So to me, it's just kind of a crappy deal of, of him being left out in the dark for probably the last year of the status of the band. And that's how you treat somebody who kept the band going after Tom went off, chased aliens, got divorced from his high school sweetheart, and had a little midlife crisis again. I, it just, it's, not a, it's not a good look. It's very immature. And look, you know, crappy punk rock since 1992. And, oh, we're going to be edgy and we're going to be funny and we're going to name our single edgy. And, oh, it's like, you don't have any stain power much anymore. This is the cash grab. You don't have many more opportunities to go out and try to fill an arena. So we're going to do that now. We're going we're gonna to take the very small sample of trying to remain relevant we're going to try to, to milk everything we possibly can out for the next two, three, four, five years. Because when you get to be, all these guys are like 50 now. When you get to be 60, are you going to be filling arenas? And are you going to be in arenas singing all the small things? Are you going to be singing songs like Happy Holidays, You Bastard, when you're 65? See, I don't see that. I don't see that happening. So better grab that cash while you can. And you know what, guys? I'd love for you to prove me wrong. I'd, I wish that I could come back and eat my own words and say, you know what? We actually did offer Matt to be in the band. He chose to say no. He wants to focus on Alkaline Trio. He hated our guts, actually. He didn't want to be a part of it. Or just come out and say, you know what? No, we told him thanks, but no thanks. You're out. My guess it was probably the last. Thanks, but no thanks. They probably didn't even think about it. Because they're going to go on tour. They're going to do a breeze through the hits, get paid, and laugh all the way to the bank. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show. The Trevor J. Brown Show. Did you know Inherent Dream Production Company is more than just the Trevor J. Brown Show? Inherent Dream is home to Musical Act's Chairman of the Board, TNV, Trevor J. Brown, and the Food and Song Compilation Series. Albums are available now at inherentdream.bandcamp.com or stream anywhere you get your music. Mark Stone coming up in a little bit, but we got a double dose of the Moron Spotlight for you. News that came out on Wednesday this week. A six-member jury awarded eight Sandy Hook families and a federal agent defamed by Alex Jones, $965 million in damages and emotional distress in a momentous verdict on Wednesday that came after close to three full days of deliberation. The jury also ordered Jones to pay reasonable attorney fees for the plaintiffs. Most of the family sat in the gallery somberly as each of their names were read. Following the announcement of the verdict, they hugged and some cried. The awards ranged from $28 million to $120 million. This guy, Alex Jones, well, first off, he don't he doesn't have that that type of money. Um, but at the end of the day, this is just proof in the pudding for all these conspiracy theory nutbags out there that you can't just go around and say anything and that there's no consequences. Attorneys for the families had asked for jurors to consider uh, to consider reasonable damages times five hundred and fifty million for each person who heard the Infowar host hoax claims about the twenty twelve shooting. Each of the fifteen plaintiffs in the case should then get that amount. The attorneys said uh, the verdicts come after a nearly four week trial that focused on the pain Jones wrought for families who had lost loved ones in the twenty twelve Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting that killed 20 first graders and six educators by calling the tragedy a hoax staged by crisis actors who were advocates of gun control. 
The nearly $1 billion award in the Waterbury trial is on top of a $49 million judgment to the parents of Jesse Lewis, who also died in the shooting issued against Jones by a Texas jury in August in a similar trial. A third Sandy Hook defamation awards trial against Jones will take place in Texas in December. In all three cases, family sued Jones on grounds. He defamed them repeatedly during his broadcast. They won their cases last year when two judges issued uh, default rulings because Jones failed to follow court order orders and submit evidence and responses in time. Um, yeah, well, this guy's going to die broken. I, I wouldn't be shocked if, if we wake up one day and this guy is no longer with us, if that uh, makes sense. Because he's going to owe people a lot of money. I, I wouldn't be shocked if, if this guy just ends up killing himself. Or, or You know what I mean? Moving on. The owner of a Michigan farm said Wednesday that the dumping of untreated human waste on his land was an honest mistake after state officials issued a warning that his produce may have been contaminated. Andy Stutzman, the owner of Country Garden in Homer, south of Lansing, told NBC affiliate WDIV of Detroit that the waste was not used as fertilizer. He said it came from an outhouse that was contained to, buy, contained to a 5 by 5 foot section of land. The farm plans to halt all farming and selling for the rest of the year, and soil will be tested before next year. Does this ever, does a story like this make you wonder how... Do we do we fully trust where our food is coming from? Do we do we honestly feel like this is just an isolated incident at some podunk farm in Michigan? Yeah, oh, it was an honest mistake. Mm, really. Uh, speaking of uh, more nuts, Kanye West, legally known as Ye is rapidly running out of social media platforms to post his anti-Semitic content. On Sunday, Twitter locked Ye's account after he posted an anti-Semitic tweet saying he was going DEFCON 3 on Jewish people. In the same tweet, Ye added that he can't be anti-Semitic because black people are actually Jews. This guy needs to start taking some meds or get back on his meds. Or seek some mental help. And that's not me being funny. That's me being serious. Twitter confirmed to Gizmodo. Whatever the hell that is. On Sunday that Ye's account had been locked. And the anti-Semitic tweet removed. Due to a violation of the platform's policies. Twitter's move comes one day after Instagram restricted Ye's account. For insinuating that the rapper Diddy. Whose real name is Sean Combs. Was being controlled by Jews. His words were condemned by Jewish advocacy groups who warned that invoking anti-Semitic tropes like control are dangerous and ferment hatred against Jews. It's sad to me that we have to live in a culture where people have to issue a statement that the words were condemned by Jewish advocacy groups. Well, anybody with a brain, you don't have to be a Jewish, a member of a Jewish advocacy group to realize this, that this guy's nuts and what he's saying uh, doesn't, doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. This guy needs some serious help. He has, he, there's some uh, mental illness or something going on there. Um, the Justice Department's sex trafficking investigation into Representative Matt Gates seems stalled. That per attorney's. The sex crimes probe federal officials launched against Gates has been hampered by one major issue, experts say, and that is the perceived credibility of a key witness. The FBI sees Matt Gates's cell phone in December 2020, marking the beginning of an investigation into whether the Florida Republican allegedly sex trafficked a 17-year-old girl. In the time since, his former friend Joel Greenberg pleaded guilty to trafficking the same teen in exchange for helping the Justice Department's investigation. Gates' ex-girlfriend also struck a deal obtaining immunity from federal prosecution 
in return for her testimony. But the sex trafficking investigation into Gates now appears stalled, according to seven attorneys who represent witnesses, people who have been subpoenaed or have spoken to investigators. The attorneys briefed on aspects of the case say federal investigators appear stymied by concerns about the credibility of two key witnesses or lack of direct evidence implicating Gates, who has denied all wrongdoing. uh, Doubts about prosecuting Gates have mounted for months among many of those seven attorneys. It's also an opinion held by some with the Justice Department, according to a recent Washington Post article. Citing people familiar with the matter, the paper reported that career prosecutors internally recommended that Gates not be indicted. Well, how would they have his name linked to, and then why would the other people have to take a plea deal? It's just, it's always a little too convenient when these other people have to take deals or they go to prison or if they have to pay fines or they're found guilty. But then all of a sudden, this guy that, that works in Washington, no, now, now there's not uh, credibility of witnesses. Well, if we would have known that, if we know that, and that's true for Matt Gates, why wouldn't the same be true on the credibility factor for these other people who had to take plea deals? See, that to me doesn't make sense. See, now if, well, I wouldn't be involved in a sex trafficking thing, but if I pled guilty to something that I didn't do, but you're not going to go to prison for a long time, and then you say, well, wait, hold up. If it, there's a problem with the the credibility of a witness, and now you're saying that for Matt Gates, well, shouldn't that be true for me too, who I had to take the plea deal? Oh, but I don't work in Washington, so I don't get the same type of privilege like uh, douchebag Matt Gates gets. It's absolutely, absolutely incredible. Another person that uh, is incredible, that this lady's actually running and that will be on a ballot is downright scary to me. Uh, Kim Crockett won the Minnesota GOP primary for Secretary of, of State. She'll face off against Democratic incumbent Steve Simon this fall. Now, look, we don't... Uh, we don't endorse candidates here on this program. But this is about as close as I'll get to endorsing somebody because Kim Crockett is batshit crazy. Kim Crockett question in 2020 whether people who are disabled should be able to get assistance to vote. That year, the Minnesota Supreme Court upheld a law allowing individuals to help people with disabilities or difficulty reading English when they're filling out ballots. In a radio interview shortly after the ruling, Crockett said, quote, So the Minnesota Supreme Court ruled that indeed you can help an unlimited number of people vote if they are disabled or can't read or speak English, which raises raises the question, um, should they be voting? We can talk that. We can talk about that another time, end quote. On Twitter, Crockett admittedly disputed HuffPo's conclusion, saying that she has never stated or implied that disabled or non-English speaking citizens right to vote should be questioned. Let me again, that she said in a radio interview, um, should they be voting? We can talk about that another time. So again, we go back to, I said it, but then when you get called out on your bullshit, I never said that it's fake news. It's the media slurring my words that we have, we have your words right in front of you. Crockett has uh, the endorsement of the Republican Party in her run for Secretary of State. She is the Republican Party candidate. Uh, As uh, HuffPo notes, this isn't the only time Crockett has made bigoted remarks. She made headlines in 2019 when, as the head of the right-wing think tank, she spoke to the New York Times about Somali resettlement efforts in Minnesota. She said, quote, I think of America the Great Assimilator. As a rubber band. But with this, we're at the breaking point, Crockett told the Times. These aren't people coming in from Norway. Let's put it that way. These people are very visible. End quote. Earlier this year, the state's Republican at the uh, state Republican convention, Crockett played an anti-Semitic campaign video depicting George Soros, the Jewish billionaire and frequent donor to liberal causes, as a puppet master controlling Simon. Who is Jewish? They had to apologize for that. Crockett is among a number of GOP-endorsed promoters of the big lie, the claim that the 2020 election was stolen, who are running for Secretary of State positions in swing states across the country. Um, 
they even asked her at a certain point. Uh, we have that. I'll, I'll share that story with you next. Will she accept the election results and the hypocrisy behind her answer? This is the Trevor J. Brown Show. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show from Inherent Dream Production Company. Time to relax. Time to treat yourself. Time for a massage. Time to head to In Good Hands Massage in Malacca. In Good Hands Massage specializes in all types of massage, including deep tissue, relaxation, hot stone, sports massage, and more. They also offer salt lamps, essential oils, and much more. Book your appointment today or get your gift cards at facebook.com slash massage by Lindsay. In Good Hands Massage in Malacca, the official relaxation spot of the Trevor J. Brown Show. Mark Stone coming up in a second. But uh, here's another Kim Crockett nugget that I wanted to share with you. GOP Secretary of State candidate Kim Crockett won't commit to accepting November election results. Okay, then, then my question to you is, as a voter, which I am, if you win, why should we believe the election results then? See, here is the hypocrisy of people running, some of the people running on the right. Here's your problem. It's a fraud. It's a sham. It's the big lie. It's fake news. It's the media. It's George Soros. It's someone else's problem when you lose. There's some conspiracy theory to the reason why you lost. But then if you win, now now there is none of that. Now it's the election had integrity and we're all good to go and we're going to hold hands together and it's bullshit. Your argument is bullshit and your logic is that of like a seven or eight year old. Because you know what seven or eight year olds do when they don't get their way? They, they say you cheated. You cheated. It wasn't fair. You didn't win the race. You got a head start. You have the logic of a second or third grader. That's what you have at this point. And these people are running for elected office. There was some story, I think we shared it at the beginning of the year, but it was for the uh, the Republican primary for governor in Georgia. So not a Democrat running on the ticket. So for governor, you have Brian Kemp, who's the incumbent, uh, David Perdue, I think that that's his name. He was running to unseat Kemp. And then there was like a bunch of other people. And one of them, I, I don't even honestly remember her name. And that person, so like Kemp got like 70% of the vote. He like wiped the floor with Purdue. And Purdue got a certain amount. And this other person ended up getting like, it was like three less than 3% or something. And that person had the balls to claim that there was no integrity in the election results and that she was she was not conceding. She did not accept the, the election results. Listen, bitch, it doesn't matter what you have to say. You lost. Nobody is, is holding their breath, waiting for somebody that got 3% or less of the vote to accept the results. We're not, we're not waiting on, on your permission to accept the results. The adults are in the room. The adults are talking here. The adults are voting. They didn't want you, honey. They didn't want you. But to, to, to have the balls to come out and say, uh, there was fraud in this election. And, you know, like, look, David Perdue could say that if he wanted to, even though he lost by like 50 points. But if it was like a race where it was like, oh, 50, you know, 50, 51 to 49 or something really close, it's like, all right, let's retaliate, whatever. That's why I firmly believe if you claim election interference, if you claim that an election was rigged, you are not accepting the results, you're not accepting the process, and you can't prove it, you should be legally barred from running for any office in the entire country ever again because what you are doing is dangerous to democracy. 
It's dangerous to democracy and these people want control. Kim Crockett wants control because Kim Crockett doesn't want you to vote. Kim Crockett wants to make it more difficult for you to vote. She doesn't want mail-in votes. She wants uh, l longer lines at places. She wants less polling places. She doesn't care about you. She doesn't care about democracy. The only thing Kim Crockett cares about, she cares about herself. She cares about having the power. So again, you can vote for whoever you want. You don't have to vote for Steve Simon. I'm sure there's other people running for Secretary of State too. Again, we don't endorse people, but we sure in hell, sure as hell, aren't going to endorse this nut who's anti-Semitic. She's made comments about Jews. She's made comments about Somalians. Her, she's the election denier in chief or whatever she said in 2020. She's come out. She might not accept the results. I hope that that Steve Simon or whoever wins, I hope they wipe the floor with her. I hope it's like 80% to 20. I hope they realize, I hope that most Minnesotans are smart enough to realize that this lady's nuts. This lady is nuts and she has no business being the Secretary of State. She has no business sniffing around our elections at all. This lady is crazy. She's cuckoo. Call it whatever you want. And you know what? That's coming from somebody that I lean conservative. I vote for Republicans. I also vote for Democrats, but there is not a chance in hell that I would vote for Kim Crockett. That lady has no business, none, being around our elections. She has no business setting rules up for how election, elections should be run or anything like that. She doesn't care about voting. She doesn't care about the process. And for somebody to even run and say, oh, I don't know if I'll accept the election results. Will you if you win? Oh, so we're back to the bullshit. Oh, I'm eight years old, that logic. Well, if I win, it's fine. But if I lose, I'm going to be a big salty bitch. That's what I'm going to be. Go away. Take your name off the ballot. Show, show Minnesota a little bit of integrity and have, have the balls, Kim Crockett, to actually take your name off the ballot and say, you know what? I'm a terrible person and things I've said before. I'm not going to run. I'm not going to run anymore. I don't endorse Steve Simon. I don't endorse anyone else, but I am not fit mentally for uh, for this office. There is not one other person in this state that has a radio show or has a television show or has a podcast who has the balls to say what I just did. But I did. I did. And you know what? If Kim Crockett ever wants to come on this program, she's more than welcome to because I'd, I'd say the same exact thing to her with on the phone. But you know what? All of these clowns don't want to come on the show. They don't want to make media appearances. They don't want to laugh for a few minutes. They don't want to they don't want to answer some questions for a few minutes. No, they'd rather go on and talk with Charlie Kirk like Scott Jensen did. Let's go on a national platform and talk to Charlie Kirk. Yeah, there's some people that listen to the show that are from Minnesota, but it's a national audience. There's people that listen to that show, Jensen, that aren't going to be able to vote for you here in a, in a few weeks. They're not going to be able to vote for you. And yeah, Charlie Kirk has a bigger outreach than we do. He has a bigger audience. But you know what? The thousand or so people that listen to me actually could vote for you. So... I don't know. Did you ever think about that? But no, you question people when you go to their website to get a media date. Do you have integrity? Maybe you should say, maybe all you guys should start asking yourselves, every politician should start asking themselves that, that very same question. Mark Stone is next. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show. The Trevor J. Brown Show. Looking to buy or sell online but don't know where to start? Look no further than Jensen Sales Plus. JSP makes buying and selling online easy. From Craigslist to Amazon, eBay to Etsy, they can help you with it all. Check out their website for more information, JensenSalesPlus.com. That's JensenSalesPlus.com. Here he is, folks. Mark Stone, Free For All Friday. Free For All Friday. Yep, we have it right here for you. Let's win some money with Stone. Stone, how the hell are you? I'm doing good, Trevor. Again, picks not as great last week as my 12 and 4 week. We went 10 and 6. But again, you're always looking to hit that double digit number. Um, so 10 is the minimum that I call kind of a passing week. We got that. Pick uh, carved in stone did well. We covered Cleveland plus three. They lost by two. So there you go on that one. 
and my bets, I went two and one. Now, of course, on this show, I think I told you I'd laid down the money on Seattle, but I pulled back and put that money on your New England Patriots to actually get me to the two and one on the week. And of course, the stone cold lock of the week with Buffalo, who curb stomped Pittsburgh, was as lucky as you could get. Boy, was I wrong about the Patriots game. I mean, I, I, I don't know if the Detroit team has quit on on Dan Campbell at this point, but I, the other thing that I, I I truly feel is that. Finally, that New England defense is waking up. There's playmakers on that side of the ball, and they really showed it on Sunday. That they did, and and it's like I said, too, you, you get that Detroit team finally out of a dome, and I don't think that offense has the same kind of teeth. Plus, you're adding the fact they were missing DeAndre Swift. Amon Ross St. Brown was obviously not 100% in that game. And, of course, Belichick took away their best weapon that they had coming into that game with both those guys missing and TJ Hawkinson. So your Detroit Lions offense was totally neutered. We also have our first coaching casualty of the season. Thanks in part to your 49ers kicking the crap out of the Carolina Panthers. And we say goodbye to Matt Ja Rule. Matt Ja Rule is going back to college, folks. He's going back to classes and studying up on what it will take to get back into the NFL, even though I don't ever think there will be a case where Matt Ja Rule enters back into the NFL. However, he is definitely very Ja Rule-ish at the college level. I expect him to either land at Nebraska or if Auburn fires Harson here soon, there's another one that I can see Matt Ja Rule and <laughs> being at come this next season. I think Nebraska would if Nebraska was smart, they would start negotiating with him now and get him locked up before that other job opens up. As a Huskers fan, would you support that? I'd be 100% supporting Matt Ja Rule. He turned around the Temple program mm-hmm. in three years. He turned around the Baylor program that was practically on a death penalty, closest thing you could possibly get to it, and did that in three years as well. The guy does know college. He does know Power 5 football. So, yes, I would be more than supportive in having Matt Job Rule come and set up shop and throw a concert at Memorial Stadium in Lincoln. Oh, and let's be honest. I mean, there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, I failed in the NFL. I'm coming back to college. He's proven himself in the college ranks. Some guys just don't pan out in the NFL, and clearly his 11-27 and 27 record over his tenure in Carolina, it ain't good enough. So, Goodbye, Matt Ja Rule. Let's get into week six in the NFL. We'll start Sunday at MetLife, Ravens, and Giants. You know what, Stone? The Giants have been a cute little story so far. I get it. They're 4-1. But the NFC East, my friend, is a mirage. It's a mirage. Maybe not the Eagles, but the Cowboys and the Giants. It's Jekyll and Hyde, my friend. Ravens roll into MetLife and win agreement here ravens are a much better team than their three and two record states uh john harbaugh is gonna have them ready for this one to come in here and beat a new york team that people are starting to believe in brian dable's a very very good head coach but you gotta argue he's playing with house money with the roster they have here i do believe baltimore rolls in though and does win this game so jaguars and colts sunday uh, I, I feel stone as if The Colts, they obviously haven't been impressive so far this year. And then for the Jaguars, I was sitting here a couple weeks ago, man, the Jags are 2-1, and I got to watch them a little bit, and now they've taken dumps the last couple of weeks. I I, I think Indy will win this game, but there's a side of me where it's like, this is the type of game Jacksonville's going to get up for and win. So I don't know what's going to happen. Honestly, I'm going to throw a wrench into it. I'm going to take Jacksonville on the road agreement here jacksonville right now a two and a half point dog on this game if it gets up to three you go and lay that money down on jaguars here um again the jags have the colts number Mm -hmm. they've had it every single year the exact same way houston seems to have jacksonville's number in this division and let's just face it Indy sucks. I mean, the fact that they could not beat Denver on Thursday night football last week, come on. I mean, if you can't close out that game against Nathaniel Hackett, Mr. 
limited Russell Wilson. Come on, you gotta win that game. That's all I can say. No, Jacksonville's gonna come in and they're gonna whoop their ass. Well, and I, I think that it, the the game plan for Doug Peterson is simple: pound the ball with the running backs. A couple weeks ago, these teams met. James Robinson had a huge game. Feed him the rock. He needs the rock. Give him the rock, damn it. Patriots and Browns on Sunday. Uh, You know what, man? I think the Patriots defense is finally uh, awake, and uh, I think it's going to be low scoring. I'm going to take New England on the road. And before I get to that, my mistake was did win that game last week against Denver on Thursday night. So I apologize for that. Frank Reich saved his thing. But again, four field goals, really? Yeah. This team's not good enough. So again, moving on. Sorry, I had to I had to correct myself on that. The game was just horrible. I should have get a month free of Amazon Prime <laughs> for as bad as that game was. Okay. Now, back to New England and Cleveland. What was your pick on this? I'm taking New England. I think the defense is for real. I think they are awake now, and I think it's going to be low scoring. I like New England. Disagreement here. I'm going to go with Cleveland, and I've already bet the negative three. Now, this isn't the carved in stone pick of the week, but I feel very, very strongly about it. Again, what we're talking about here, Cleveland's coming off a tough loss in a game where they missed two field goals and an extra point in a game they honestly should should win. This is a good team, and it's a good coach in Kevin Stefanski. Plus, you've got a rookie QB in Bailey Zeppi coming, <laughs> uh, coming over yeah. here on his first road game after a dominating win. I think it's setting up for it's setting up for disappointment in New England. Give me Cleveland, and I'm betting to cover the three. You know what? I'll look back back to that Thursday night game of Broncos Colts. No one that listens to this show, Stone, is going to fault you for. <laughs> it shows you how much I I don't give a shit about it either, because it's like I kind of totally forgot about that game, and I love too how. When I was that evening, I didn't even start to watch the game. I went to go work out Stone before before coming home to flip it on in the second half. And the guys on ESPN Radio were like, "It doesn't matter who's playing. This game's kind of slow to start, but it's the NFL. People are gonna watch it." And it's like, "Well, I'm going to work out, you know, so I'm gonna miss the first half of the game." That should tell you a lot right there. No, why are the Broncos in so many primetime games to start off this season? They've played like. Three out of the three out of their games so far, four out of their games have all been in prime time, and the team is just miserable to watch. Uh, Bengals and Saints on Sunday. The Saints have a lot of issues. Dennis Allen, you've hit it on the head. He's a terrible coach. Give me Cincinnati on the road. You know, Dennis Allen is a terrible coach, but so is Zach Snacks, Zach Taylor. <laughs> Zach Snacks. <laughs> This whole, this whole freaking, both these teams, it's just a gross play. It's just a real gross, gross play. If I was going to bet this game, I would actually probably put the money down on New Orleans. You can get them at plus 1.5 right now. And anything less than two, just lay it down. I mean, I'm not, I haven't laid down yet because I'm just kind of watching this. But I'm going to pick New Orleans in this. I'm, I'm picking Cincy in this game, but I don't like it. Um, both teams, it's going to be close. That's all I can say on it. And yeah, it's disgusting. Two coaches playing gross. But yeah, give me the Bengals. But again, I have the feeling that Superdome bump. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Saints win this game. Here's one of my locks of the week. Pittsburgh is just a mess at this point. And I know the Bucks are kind of a mess offensively, but... I think their defense takes care of it, and uh, I think they win. I think uh, Wilson Pickett or whatever the hell the kid's name is for, for Pittsburgh, I think he has a tough day. I like the Bucks on the road. Big day, big day for Leonard Fournette. You know, I don't disagree with that one iota. This would be a perfect Mike Tomlin rah-rah yeah, spot that's true. with a plus eight and a half on the Pittsburgh. But just like you, I can't trust Wilson Pickett. <laughs> behind the line he probably he probably can go and dance around in his blue suede shoes and and really really rally up the troops and get a good concert going but the guy right now is just not a good quarterback so yes but facing this tampa defense yeah i gotta go with tampa i mean imagine if the steelers lose which is probable on sunday they'll be what stone one in five 
I mean, when, one in five. That yes. is that is crazy. I mean, that is, but but truly, it 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 their defense is is okay, but when you lose Watt and your defense is on the field 75, 80% of the time. Cause your offense sucks so hard. I, I don't fault that at all. You need, you need better offensive play. That starts with the quarterback. You didn't have an answer with Trubisky. I don't know what they have with the picket kid. I think you got to let him play the rest of the year and figure out what you have. But I, I think the jury is still out at this point, but I do like the bucks. I, I think the bucks defense is tremendous. I have confidence that offensively they'll start to figure it out. I just think there's a lot of stuff going on with Tom Brady right now off the field. I don't know if his mind is fully there, but honestly, at this point, Stone, it hasn't really affected them. I mean, they're three and two. That division is absolutely garbage, so they'll be fine. They just need to make the playoffs. It doesn't matter where Tom is playing the games in January. He He's won on the road. He's played in cold weather. He can win in Tampa. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where that game is. You're still playing Tom Brady. You're still playing the Bucks. 49ers and Falcons, your team's defense is far and away amazing so far this year. They took care of business on Sunday in Carolina. They go to Atlanta. Atlanta got screwed in that game for Tampa on the roughing the passer call. Now, they still would have had to come down and get a touchdown. I don't know if they would have done that. But uh, regardless, I, I think the 49ers win this game. And surprise, folks, after no training camp, Jimmy G is starting to look like old, good Jimmy G. He had his best game on Sunday against Carolina. I think he keeps it rolling on Sunday in Atlanta. I agree with you that San Francisco is going to win this game. However, this is the carved in stone bet of the week. Atlanta, five and a half point dodge. You go and lay that money down on those Falcons right now. Here's a couple things to think about. Nick Bosa is out for this game. Freaking Williams over um, Trent Williams on the offensive side out for this game. Emmanuel Mosley, the starting nickel slash outside corner out for this game. Now I know San Francisco's getting some reinforcements back on that defense, but Nick Bosa is a large loss and Trent Williams is still a large loss on this. Plus, Something else, San Francisco, when they go east and they stay over on the east coast side, Cal's got an amazing record of wins doing this. However, if you look back through the years, they always have one dominant win and one stinker that they possibly somehow didn't barely got out of there alive. This is going to be that game. Also, another fun fact, Atlanta, 5-0 and this year against the spread. They can move the football, even though Arthur Smith's a total moron. They somehow find a way to do it with Mariota at quarterback. So, again, I think if there's a track game, it is right now for San Fran. They will walk out with a win, but it will be much closer than anybody anticipated. Yeah, I like the five and a half. You said it was five and a half, right, not five? Correct, five and a half, which means – San Fran's got to win by six. I like that more than the Pittsburgh, uh, what was that, eight, eight and a half? That's, I, I still, Pittsburgh is just. Eight and a half, yes. Yeah, the Pittsburgh, that is just, I don't care. You still lay it on, on Tampa because Pittsburgh can't move the, the damn ball. Potential trap game, I, I like what you're saying with the 49ers Falcons, but I'll throw one more at you, though I'm not 100% believing in this. But uh, the Jets are not playing bad football. And the Packers better wake up on Sunday and they better be on their game because if the Jets hang around, the Jets are one of those sneaky teams where if you let them hang around, then all of a sudden at the end of the game, you look up and it's like, wow, the Jets won. How the hell did that happen? I'm going to take the Packers in this game, but I think it's close. Agreement. I think the same thing. The Packers have not shown me anything yet that they are a good team. They beat the crappy teams and they struggle against the good ones. And that's kind of the thing right now. It's Matt LaFleur is once again turning out to be the coach I kind of thought he was going to be when he first got this job, when he was at the podium like Garth in Wayne's World when he had to try to host the show by himself. That's what Matt LaFleur kind of reminded me of when he, at his first press conference. And that's what this kind of looks like because everybody now has figured out how to hit Matt LaFleur's fastball. But now we're starting to see, well, you don't got a curve. You don't got a changeup. They don't got anything else here 
with this team, and, and he doesn't have the personnel anymore to overcome to make his fastball and hit him. He's like Aroldis Chapman right now, hanging down in Florida and can't get on the Yankees roster because he doesn't have it mm-hmm. anymore. And that's kind of the deal here. Aaron will will them to win in this game, but if they do screw up, I'm like you. Saul has got this team playing with house money, and they will pounce, and they will win the same way the Giants did. Vikings and Dolphins. Uh, buckle up, folks. I'm taking the Vikings on Sunday. I never pick Minnesota. They they shouldn't have won probably last weekend or you know letting the Bears back into it, but... After all of the hype and all of the man, the Dolphins, they're so good. Now they're three and two. I think the Vikings do enough to keep them in the game. And I, I just, I think it'll be close, but I, I just like, I think the Vikings are playing better football right now. Give me Minnesota. Well, you got to go with Minnesota on this one. Teddy Bridgewater still ruled out. Tua's ruled out. This whole this whole medical staff's running straight for the freaking malpractice lawyers around here because they can't clear a guy anymore after what happened with Tua, which means we've got undrafted free agent Skylar Thompson once again getting the starting. Good news is it's at home. The bad news is this Vikings defense up front is no joke. So yes, give me Minnesota, but it's going to be just a sloppy end. Yeah, Daniil Hunter licking his chops, thinking I'm going to get two, three sacks on Sunday. Uh, We'll see what happens. Uh, I'll give you another lock for Sunday. Give me the Rams at home. If there is a team that needs a get-right game, it's the Rams over the Carolina Panthers. Now look, I know there's a lot of Wild card, what could happen? Ja Rule was fired. It's going to be a different quarterback, different schemes. How do you game plan for it? I don't care. McVay will figure out a way. This might be get sloppy at some points. There might be more points on the board than the Rams want to give up. I don't know. But I just there's too much damn talent on both sides of the ball for the Rams to at this point be two and three. They get right, they get back to 500, and they beat Carolina. Yeah, I'm picking the Rams, but I don't like it as a lock. This is setting up totally to be to be a game where there could be an upset special. Steve Wilkes takes over for the Carolina Panthers. We did already see how that went once before in Arizona. It didn't go well. But again, you, you talk about you got P.J. Walker, who's every time he's been in there, it's been him against the world. Los Angeles is beat up and Los Angeles does not look to be a good team no. after what happened last week against Dallas. So the Rams do need to win this game and they need to win it at home to get back on track and stay in the race here. But I could see an upset happening. I'm picking the Rams, but again, I, I <laughs> anything can happen yeah. here when you got a new head coach and a third string quarterback getting started. So, and we've seen PJ Walker be successful in this league before. So, yeah, give me the Rams, but I wouldn't be surprised if Carolina somehow upsets them. Arizona Cardinals, Seattle Seahawks on Sunday. Both teams two and three. At this point, uh, man, Geno Smith is just chucking the ball around. I, I think this is going to be a high scoring game. It might come down to who has the ball at the end. I just, at this point, Stone, I'm not a believer in. in Kyler Murray, uh, I'm not, and I'm not. I'm not saying I'm a believer in Geno Smith, but I, I don't know. Give me Seattle at home. Disagreement here. I think Arizona does pick up the win and finds a way to win in this game. Um, I would say this is our double dumpster. Light the uh, light the flames on this, but <laughs> there's going to be two things going against that. Number one, this is actually like you said, going to be a high scoring game. Somehow, Geno Smith has this offense rolling. And for those of you, like we talked about Thursday night, we've got the commanders and the bears. <laughs> By the time this airs, that's already happened, but that is the double dumpster might yeah. might a match game of the week on this. So this game isn't going to be much better, but Cliff Dingleberry and company, if they want to keep pace in the West needs to get a win here and move up to three and three. Seattle totally playing by the house money yeah. playing at home. I could see them winning this game, but again, it's a must-win situation for Arizona. Seattle's trying to tank. <laughs> Knowing them, they'll find a way to freaking win this game and not. Who knows? But I'm going with Arizona. One of the games of the year, Bills-Chiefs from Arrowhead Sunday, 325. You get MVP candidate Mahomes against MVP candidate Josh Allen. This is going to be a hell of a showdown. 
I'm not betting against Mahomes, man. I mean, he is my my vote. If I had a vote, and I don't, but if I had a vote, I'd vote for him for the first quarter of the season for MVP. Dude looks amazing. And, uh, I mean, the Bills aren't bad themselves. I think it's going to be a close game, but I'll take Mahomes and the Chiefs at home. Agreement with you that it's going to be a close game, and it'll probably come down to the last possession of whoever wins, and I think that team is going to be the Buffalo Bills. The Bills was strictly built this season to beat one team and one team only, and that is this Chiefs team. And we saw that last year go into Arrowhead and curb stomp them. I don't think they're going to curb stomp them this time, but they're definitely not afraid to go into Arrowhead and beat this team. So I'm picking the Bills to win this one. Cowboys and Eagles, is that, uh, oh, it's a, a mirage? Oh, the Cowboys, oh, man, oh, look at them. Let's talk about them all week. Four and one. Oh, my goodness, quarterback controversy. Who gives a rat's ass? Fly, Eagles, fly, or whatever their bullshit phrase is. Give me the Eagles at Homestone. Agreement Sunday night at home, Philadelphia, and the and the Philly Fanatics are going to go ape nuts on this as Cooper Rush is stepping into the unknown coming into Sunday Night Football into Philly with the hated Cowboys coming to town. Philly curb stops them. I'll tell you this, right now the line is up to six, but when it was at four and a half, this would have been my carved in stone better the week at that point in time if it would still be at four and a half by the time we're airing this, but it's not. But at four and a half, you can rush to the betting boot quick enough to lay that cash down on this game because it is not going to be as close as many people think. Broncos and Chargers Monday. Yet again, Denver in a primetime game. Uh, unless... I don't know, they got a new quarterback and uh, figured something out and a new head coach and Nathaniel Hackett isn't there anymore. I don't see Denver's problems getting better anytime soon. The Chargers, I mean, they're 3-2, and two, somehow 3-2 and two after uh, Brandon Staley's stupid coaching decisions, uh, which have come back to bite them in the ass previously and it almost bit them on, on Sunday. Uh, Chargers are the better team right now, clearly. Give me, give me, uh, LA. Yes, 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 yes. Have you ever watched that cartoon? This is an old cartoon called Two Stupid Dogs. You ever seen that cartoon? <laughs> I've heard of it, yeah. Okay, well, that's what we got here. Two stupid coaches and Nathaniel Hackett and Brandon Staley here on the sideline. That's what you got from Monday Night Football, yeah. <laughs> along with two stupid announcers up in the booth and Troy and Joe coming at it. So it's just a stupid fest on Monday Night Football. But this is one where you can lock it in. The Stone Cold Lock of the Week is right here. Chargers at home. You lock this up. Russell Wilson apparently having some kind of secret surgery but mr limited is unlimited when it needs to come back from that it must have had a dangerous sandwich from subway or something <laughs> to get him to get him back on the field by the way all these cliches they're not my own look up russell wilson's tiktok and you will see them all i'm serious folks but again nothing corny about the ass kicking that is going to come down on the broncos in this game locking the chargers they win yeah denver is just weird to me man because like they you look at the offensive side of the ball you got russell wilson and you know look he's won a super bowl he's lost one but for the last couple of years in Seattle Stone, I was like, is this dude washed or like what's going on? Because me and, and contributor Tim, we've talked on this show before and off the air, uh, you know, that phrase like let Russ cook, like let let him just like chuck the ball around. And I've, I told Tim the last like couple of years, but now it's coming to light in Denver. I'm like, maybe this dude can't read an offense. Like maybe he can't change the play. At, at the line. Maybe Carroll didn't want him doing that because he didn't know what to do. Like, I, this guy clearly, like, in, in the back of my mind, I'm like, is this dude washed the last couple of years? And now looking at him in Denver, maybe Pete Carroll was right. Maybe there was something there all along where, look, uh, you, you nine times out of ten take Russell Wilson over Geno Smith. I'm not saying Geno Smith is the long-term answer in Seattle. I'm not saying that at all. The long-term solution for quarterback in Seattle is not on the roster at this point. However, the start to the season for Denver and Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett has been embarrassing. It is absolutely embarrassing. And somehow, 
I am am shocked at uh, at actually where they're at right now, being two and three. They could easily uh, have one win or zero. Francisco to begin with, and that's because Russ actually did cook at the end of that game to will himself to win in that one. This is this is the thing against Russell Wilson. The thing against Russell Wilson when he was first coming out of Wisconsin is the fact that him being a five foot ten quarterback, he was always going to need to be mobile to see all the routes that were going on on the field. He is not tall enough to over to see over a lot of these defensive offensive linemen and defensive linemen to see the kind of route concepts going over the middle and how where the guys are open and everything like that. So that takes away part of your field when you're trying to pass the football if you refuse to roll out. Rust came to Denver and said right off the bat, I will be a pocket quarterback. I am going to be a pocket passer. I'm done running. Compound that with the fact you bring in Nathaniel Hackett, who brings in the Shanahan offense, which is totally breeding off of route concepts in order to open up the run game, especially short passes over the mill to expose, keep linebackers at home, at base, so you can get those big chunk yards if you go over the middle. And that's why this whole thing is a freaking disaster. It is not a good marriage. It is the wrong concept for this quarterback. And if Russ refuses to run, you should have never paid them. Well, I hope the Waltons save their receipt for a 90-day return here for the Denver Broncos because They've got a defective product, and it's both the head coach and the quarterback. It's obvious it is not working. Stone, appreciate the time. Enjoy the games this weekend, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. You too, Trevor. Always great to come on for a free-for-all Friday. Free-for-all Friday, and this is the Trevor J. Brown Show. The Trevor J. Brown Show. Can't get enough of the Trevor J. Brown Show? Join Trevor for bonus content Saturday exclusively on the Spotify app. For bonus content Saturday, Trevor spins the tunes he's enjoying right now, tunes he loves from the past, great local music, and also continues to build his playlist of his favorite and, in his opinion, the greatest songs of all time. Join Trevor for bonus content Saturday exclusively on the Spotify app. Bonus content Saturday tomorrow exclusively on the Spotify app. Most weeks we are talking about, we're talking about, our, uh, we're doing our playlist of a thousand songs of all time. We're taking a week break from that. Last week, if you missed it, we added songs to the playlist. We did like a, it just kind of wound up this way. Some classic 90s rock. Foo Fighters, Oasis, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Next week, we're getting back to the playlist, which, by the way, you can follow along on Spotify. Just search for The 1000 Songs by The Trevor J. Brown Show. Next week, we are adding tunes from Judy Collins, another tune from The Rolling Stones, and uh, our first tune from uh, Frank Sinatra on the playlist. That'll be next week. But tomorrow, we are taking a break from the playlist, and we're playing some best new music, in our opinion. We are featuring music from editors, Death Cab for Cutie, and also the French band Phoenix. So be sure to tune in tomorrow exclusively on the Spotify app. And don't forget, our normal Friday podcast airs on Anchor, Spotify, the Spotify app, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great weekend. This has been the Trevor J. Brown Show. The opinions expressed on this show do not express the views of staff, management, or sponsors of Inherent Dream Production Company or streaming services where the show may be heard. The Trevor J. Brown Show is a production of Inherent Dream Production Company.